0: Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. Here with me, I'm Dave Hammond, and I've got my father-in-law, Pastor L.G. Merritt. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at the uh, doctrine of Jonah, and talking about Jonah. Uh, We finished the Revelation Unveiled last week, so we're going to go with something a little lighter. Uh, But before we begin... As is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. Pastor Merritt, lead us in prayer, then get us going. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to Come
1: together and to provide the Word of God. Guide us now and direct us and help us to remember that we are to name our sin back to you, be filled with the Spirit, and thus learn of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, as I thought about Jonah, I came to the realization that that the world has had the privilege of experiencing a modern-day Jonah. Billy Graham, like Jonah, was a man who knew that God had called him to be a proclaimer of the gospel. However, Dr. Graham wanted to be a college president of a prestigious university. It didn't take him long to acquire his goal. He became the youngest university president in America. His wife, Ruth, did not agree with his decision to head Wheaton College. She urged him to leave the university to preach the good news, and so he often preached, but only when it was convenient. In 1949, at the urging of men like Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Shea, Billy Graham agreed to go to Los Angeles and hold a tent revival. He went reluctantly, traveling by train to the big city. Upon arrival, he was surprised to find a crowd of reporters asking for interviews. Amidst the popping flash bulbs and numerous questions, a startled Billy Graham made his way downtown to a small tent full of folding chairs and light bulbs hanging from tent poles. Well, the rest is history except for the mysterious story of William Randolph Hearst, owner of the L.A. Times and the L.A. Examiner. The question has been asked many times, why did this man who had never met Dr. Graham A man worth millions of dollars uttered the now-famous words, Puff, Billy Graham. Jonah had his giant fish, and Billy had his world-famous communications magnet. And so the headlines blared, Come see the man with the voice like a trumpet, and the courage of a lion. And so the world now knows of an ancient prophet named Jonah, and a modern-day evangelist named Billy Graham. For the rest of the story, I would suggest you read a biography by Dr. Graham entitled, Just As I Am. Introduction. Jonah was a prophet who did not want to take the word of God to Assyria. God intervenes with the sea monster, and Jonah very reluctantly takes the gospel to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. As a result, many Assyrians are saved. As a result, Assyria becomes a client nation to God. The book of Jonah receives its name from the main character of the narrative. The book arguably was written by the rebellious prophet himself, probably around Nineveh in about 760 B.C., Jeroboam II was king of Israel at that time. Nowhere in the text is there any statement that the prophet himself wrote the book. However, tradition has steadfastly maintained that Jonah was the author. Taken as a historical narrative of a prophet, active in the time of Jeroboam II, the events of the book would have occurred somewhere between 780 and 750. Jeroboam had succeeded in reestablishing the power of Israel over most of the territory of Judah, the southern kingdom. In the previous century, the Assyrian Empire had been a threat to its neighbors along the eastern Mediterranean coast, and had become well known as a cruel and ruthless oppressor. During the reign of Jeroboam, though the power of Assyria had subsided, but it still had to be reckoned with, Nineveh had not yet become the capital of the empire, but Kalah, One of the parts of the old city-state complex that included Nineveh was the capital between 880 and 701. There is no Assyrian inscription stating that a spiritual revival like that described in the book of Jonah ever occurred. But during the time when Queen Semiramis was co-regent and her son Adad-Nirari III there is a historical record of a brief national movement toward monotheism. There were two severe plagues in Assyria in 765 and 759, both of which was normally regarded by the ancients as evidence of divine judgment, and these two plagues could have prepared the hearts of the people for the preaching of Jonah. The Assyrian Empire at its height, was bounded, or bounded, you might say, on the west by the Mediterranean, on the east by the Persian Gulf, on the north by Asia Minor and the Caucasus, and on the south by the Arabian Desert. For the most part, the land around Nineveh was hilly and well-watered. The city was situated along the banks of the Tigris River, The hills were covered with oak and pine trees, while the main products of the country were fruits, dates, olives, wine, wheat, and barley. Large wild beasts such as bears, panthers, wolves, lynxes, foxes, marmots, deer, lions, and wild boar roamed the countryside surrounding the city. According to Genesis chapter 10, verses eight through 12, a Babylonian king named nimrod excuse me, Nimrod founded the city of Nineveh. I'll read Genesis 10: eight, 9, 10, and 11. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter. Before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Erech, Akkad, and Kalah in Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh. David, why don't you take over there, if you will?
0: An early literary reference to Assyria was found in a tablet written in 23 BC, Nuzu, east of Assur, near Kirkuk, in modern Iraq. (coughs) It is there that much evidence of the early patriarchs was found. The Assyrians of historic times were a fierce, war-loving people, much more aggressive than the Semitic neighbors. Often acting as tyrants at home, Assyrian kings also served as army field generals. They rarely missed expeditions to exact tribute and plunder from their neighbors. The whole organization of the state in Syria was built around the king and his military. The king was supreme. The culture and religion of Syria were essentially Babylonian, except for the, pre- the predominance of their national god named Assur. Assur was their god of war represented in Assyrian art by the sun disk, topped by an archer shooting a shaft. He was always honored as a divine founder of the nation. One of the earlier rulers, Tigalth Pilzer 1114-1076, to 1076, left a rather full account of a lengthy reign in the series of conquest. He claimed to have conquered 42 countries, he was distinguished by his restoration of several conquered cities. Shalmaneser III, 858-824, also had a long and effective rule. His record relates 33 campaigns. He strengthened his conquest by placing governors over the conquered districts. During Shalmaneser's reign, Assyria began to loom large on the horizon of Israel. Certain writers of antiquity tell of contact with, between Shalmaneser and Israel at the Battle of Karkar, circa 853. Here, Shalmaneser met and defeated the combined forces of Damascus, Hamath, Bedouin, Arab nomadic forces, and King Ahab of Israel. In 842, Shalmaneser defeated Hazael of Damascus and according to his famous black obelisk, now in the British Museum, he claimed tribute from Tyr, Sidon, and Jehu, king of Israel. The Assyrians continued to be an international power up to 612 when they were defeated by the Babylonians. Interpretations of the book. Much controversy has arisen concerning the meaning of the book of Jonah precipitating a wide range of views. Those who have maintained the historical character of the book have held that an actual prophet, Jonah, experienced what is recorded and thus fulfilled, in part, the missionary task of Israel in ancient times. For us, Jonah is a factual story. Important passages that support this view are found in the New Testament, Matthew 12 verse 39 to 41, and Luke 11, 29. And they read, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall, shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Luke eleven twenty nine, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation; they seek a sign, and there shall be no sign. There shall be no sign be given it, but the signs of Jonah. The positions of this overview is that the story of Jonah is a historical account. Clearly, Jonah's being in the belly of the great fish for three days is a picture of Christ being in the grave for three days.
1: And of course, this is Christ himself speaking, so there's great authenticity to what is said. Now let's speak to, to the message of the book. Remember, no sign shall be given except the sign of Jonah, three days and three nights. And that's exactly where what he did uh, when he was on the cross. More to that, of course, as you study your Bible. Alright, let's go to the message of the book. The narrative itself is uncomplicated, fast-moving and touching. A prophet, Jonah, is told by the Lord to go preach to the citizens of Nineveh. That's the capital of Assyria, by the way. Instead, he flees and takes passage on a ship due to sail to what was then the far edge of the world. He secludes himself and goes to sleep. Soon after the ship sets sail, A severe storm stirs up the Mediterranean Sea into mountainous waves, and the sailors in terror throw the cargo overboard and frantically pray to their gods. By casting of lots, Jonah is identified as the culprit, and uh, he's the one who had offended their god, they thought. Little they knew. The storm ceases only after Jonah, at his own suggestion, is thrown into the sea. He must have been David. He must have been a a really good guy. At his own suggestion, he said, I'm the one. I'm the one. That's falling on your sword. (laughs) Yes, it is. He is swallowed by a great fish. Now, truly penitent, penitent. He prays earnestly for salvation, whereupon God delivers him unhurt upon the shore. This time, the prophet obeys the command to go to Nineveh and cries aloud throughout the city, crying his brief worded message of woe. The people of Nineveh, from king to lowest subject, respond with earnest repentance, even putting sackcloth on their cattle. The Lord hears their cry and lifts the threat of destruction. Jonah, however, sees the deliverance of Nineveh only as a negation of his personal prayer and deepest desires. The destruction of Nineveh. Jonah complains to the Lord in prayer reason he complained in prayer because they hated those Assyrians. They were the ones that uh, had actually attacked them and taken many prisoners. But uh, uh, that's, the Lord is very forgiving. Yes, He is. Mm-hmm. All right. In order to teach the prophet a lesson, God prepares a fast-growing plant to shade him from the sun. But the next night allows a worm to destroy it. (laughs) The good, the bad, the ugly. Then he sets a hot east wind blowing. As a result, Jonah faints in spirit and wishes for death. The story closes with a declaration that whereas Jonah is concerned for shade trees, God is concerned for the salvation of sinful men. Amen. Okay, let's look at a few basic teachings of the book. And I'm not going to number them, but I'm just going to read them. Here we go with the first. When people are positive, the ball is in God's court, and he will see to it that the glorious gospel arrives. Titus 2.11 But the glorious gospel of Christ But the glorious gospel that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Thank you, Lord. Lowly men and men of high regard. But it'll get there. God's responsible. In the face of a difficult task, men are often inclined to evade responsibility. God is powerful and can, at will, use the forces of nature for his own purposes. The most unlikely mission fields are often the most responsive. God is a God of love and grace and it is his desire for all men to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Well, Jonah's message was for his audience, the Ninevites. God had ordered the prophet to, quote, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. However, the written message was for Israel and Judah, not Nineveh. And, by the way, for us. The readers of the book were Jews who, in their nationalistic zeal, forgot that God had called them to be his conduit of blessing to the Gentiles. What we have in Nineveh was that which God promised in Second Chronicles 7, 14. I love this verse. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their land and forgive their sin Some translations say land because that's what comes next and will heal their land. Now we're ready for the outline of the book, David. How about you taking over?
0: All right. First, it's going to be fleeing. One is one through 17. The Lord's command, John one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. B, a tip, a ship to Tarshi. John 1:3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshi. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshi to flee from the Lord. On sea, a storm at sea, asleep during the storm. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on joint. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Where'd you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Wow. <laughs> I'll say that again. Hey, you know, I guess just pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And he asked for it. in. He was a brave guy, wasn't he? <laughs> Whew. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights.
1: Notice, David, it weren't weren't no
0: whale. It was a great fish. That's a big one. Cast out. Chapter two, verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, Sheol, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. There have been instances of men or large animals being swallowed whole by gray fish. And in some cases of both men and beasts, the victims have been removed from the fish's body, even after many hours. But usually the fish's digestive juices have taken a severe toll from the victim's skin and hair after each immersion. This explains better perhaps Jonah's hyper sun sensitivity. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the Lord beneath barred me in for the Lord beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Deliver, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The Lord's second command. Then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. In spite of the fact that three times in the Old Testament, Nineveh is called a great city, Genesis 10, verse 11, 12, and John 1, verses 2, and 3, verses 3. Verse 3. Skeptical Bible critics long believed the statement to be greatly exaggerated. When the walled city was excavated, it was found to be less than nine miles in circumference. There were claims from the author, Jonah, did not know what he was talking about. Later excavations have proved that Nineveh had many suburbs, three of which are mentioned in connection with it in Genesis Chapter 10,
1: 11, and 12. How many times has that happened, David? <laughs> oh, that city never existed in the next thing. You know, some archaeologist will come up with the ruins of the city found, listed, and described in the Bible. Excuse me. No, go ahead. Take over for us there. Well, where do you want me to start? Part three. All right, preaching, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Later excavations have proved that Nineveh had many suburbs, three of which are mentioned in connection with it in Genesis 10, verses 11 and 12. And I'm going to read verse 11. From that land, Nimrod went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ere and Kala, Ere by the way, just for edification, is a Hebrew word for city. Genesis 10:12 and Resen, which is between Nineveh and Kala, that is the great city. All right, one first-century writer, Theodorus Seculus, justifiably says Nineveh was a quadrangle measuring about 60 miles in circuit. A great city indeed. A city of three days refers to the time it took to walk around the city. The statement indicates the city was 60 miles in circumference. Surprise, surprise. Declaring the message, chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city, a city that required three days. On the first day, Jonah startled, or excuse me, started in the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. This was a very common way of expressing the size of a city uh, that we have just read in verses 3 and 4. All right, Nineveh's repentance. This is going to be something, David. In sackcloth and ashes, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Ninevites believed God, praise the Lord. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now, that's what you call a good response and a good invitation to the response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. All right, let's look at the king's decree. Chapter 3, verses 7, 8, and 9. David, why don't you take over?
0: Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Judgment withheld. John chapter three, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Learning. John chapter four, verses one through three. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. The gourd, the worm, the wind, and the sun. John chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine, but at dawn the next day God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. The lesson, John chapter four, verse nine through 11. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh, was more than 120,000 people who could not tell their right hand from their left. Wow. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Because of an ancient prophet named Jonah and a modern day Jonah named Billy Graham, hundreds of thousands of believers now live in heavenly homes, enjoying ecstatic happiness. Praise God. That concludes study of Jonah. Pastor Merritt, get a prayer. Father, we are so grateful that we
1: have the book, the Bible, and that we have this wonderful book called Jonah, and that we have seen the work of Billy Graham. And I've had the privilege, and I don't even consider it a privilege many times. That's just how evil you know, we are as human beings from time to time to have worked for the Billy Graham Crusade. And, uh, you know, I could say, why am I the way I am? Well, that's the way it is from time to time. And we've got to always understand that the Lord uses things that we don't think are going to be used. Just think of Billy Graham going out there on that train. That took a tremendous amount of faith. He didn't want to go. He kept telling his wife, Hun, uh, I'd rather be the president of Wheaton College. Uh, and she kept saying, Oh, no, Benny, you're going to be an evangelist. And of course, uh, her daddy was a missionary, and she spent her childhood in China. Ruth Graham what a woman of course she had much pain keeping the kids while Billy was on the road almost constantly so uh, Father thank you for the privilege of being able to present this on a podcast thank you for David who moves this thing along and actually selected this book and uh, hopefully
0: we'll do it the way you want it done
1: All right, David, how about an invitation?
0: Anyone out there within the sound of our voice, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That easy. Just do it now. Those of you that are out there that already have been saved, pass that same message along. We appreciate you listening. We look forward to being with you next time. And as always, so long. So long.